This is Dr. Chris Ferris, registered acupuncturist, and welcome to FimiaCast, the official podcast for the Faresian Institute of Modern Integrated Acupuncture. If you are an acupuncture practitioner or student, or you have an interest in acupuncture, then make sure you go to fimia.com.au and sign up for free to get notifications on our latest courses and resources. On this episode of FimiaCast, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Olivia Jance, registered acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner from Brisbane. Daughter of the renowned acupuncturist and herbalist Stephen Jance, acupuncture and Chinese medicine have always played an integral role in Olivia's life, even from a young age. Now having been in practice for over three years, Olivia enjoys treating a diverse range of health conditions. Like her father, Olivia has a passion for educating fellow practitioners and the world about the benefits of acupuncture. And in 2017, she was awarded Best Paper for a first presentation at the Australasian Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine Annual Conference presenting on obstetric cholestasis. Olivia and I studied at the same time at Endeavour College in Brisbane, and it was great to finally catch up to see where her career has taken her. Now, from ancient point combinations to the projection of acupuncture's place in Australia's healthcare system, join me as I get the full story with Dr. Olivia Jance. Yeah, ready to go? Ready to go. Okay. So, Dr. Olivia Jance, welcome. Thanks for coming along and speaking on FimiaCast today. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Chris. How are you going? I am very well. It's been a long time since we've caught up. Yes, it has. I hope everything's going fantastically for you. It is. It's been really good. Busy times, fun times. Excellent. You're practicing at Kenmore Centre for Health, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, a little clinic in, um, in Kenmore. It's multimodality, so it's really great. We've got a naturopath, we've got four massage therapists at the moment and three acupuncturists, including me and mm. my dad as well and Ian Murray. Excellent. So, yes. And uh, it's fairly busy over there, I take it? It is, yes. There's always a bit going on. So, yeah, it's in a little shopping centre hub as well. So, it's great. We have good availability for people if they've got a sore back and they think, oh, there's a sign for acupuncture upstairs. Let's go and get some. So, yeah, yeah it's really good. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, one of the things I think I potentially lack uh, having a clinic in my own home is there's no traffic. Ah, yes. Mm. There's that. <laughs> I find that some people were uh, hesitant when they find out that you're treating out of your home. But, you know, you deal with it and... Um, the ones that are coming don't seem to have a problem, so it's okay. That's it. Once they take the leap and they see how great you are, they'll come back. Absolutely. Yes. So tell me about what you're doing these days. What kind of, uh, do you have a specific area that you're working on with your treatments? Are you just treating all sorts of things? What's happening? I treat anything that walks in. So I'm happy to see everything. I think at the moment, I'd be foolish just to focus on any one thing. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I love treating fertility and pregnancy and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I'll get general health complaints coming in, random things like wart treatments, trigeminal neuralgia, Mm. all sorts of things. Um, And, of course, lots of musculoskeletal treatments. So that would be like 80% of what I see and what walks in is back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, knee pain, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love it all. And is that, are you finding that across uh, the clinic, like with your your dad treating and also Ian, that that's the main thing that's coming in for them as well? Yeah, I think so. I think because a lot of people walk 
around with pain every day. So I think painful conditions are one of the top things that most healthcare practitioners would see as well. It's a lot of painful conditions. And also, even when I'm treating patients for pain, they don't realize that we can treat insomnia Mm -hmm. and stress and gut issues. They have no idea. Mm. So they think naturally, oh, you know, got some back pain, see an acupuncturist. So it's really great to actually let them know what else we do and hopefully they can spread the word and then we can actually help other people that will need it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And is that something that when you when you have people in your treatment that uh, you, does it kind of come up in conversation and then you, you know, also say, you know, that you, you elaborate and you say, well, that's actually something we can treat or is it something that you kind of bring up yourself or... How do you go about integrating that into your treatments? Usually it'll come up in conversation. They might be talking about their sister or one of their kids or we'll just be having general chat once their treatment starts. And um, yeah, it'll just come up in conversation. Most of the time they'll ask, oh, can it actually help for this? Or my son's had this issue. I'm like, you know, we could probably help with that. Um, A lot of the time they'll bring it up. Oh, my son has lots of nightmares or bedwetting when they're sort of, you know, four, five, sometimes even 12. And I'm like, well, you know what? There's stuff we can do to help. And mm. they have no idea. And they're actually really excited about it. Yeah, yep. So yeah, it usually just comes up like that. Yep. So yeah, I don't usually sit them down and say, okay, so there's all these other things we can do. Do you have any of these other problems? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> do you use herbs at all? Yeah, I do. I'll <laughs> use herbal formula. Mm. So um, it'll depend what the case is. I like to use just the acupuncture first, usually, um, unless they're really keen for herbs, um, just because a lot of people prefer that as well, just to see if the acupuncture can actually work. Sometimes they're a little bit skeptic too. So it's nice for them to see changes without actually having to add in herbs too. But I think for fertility cases, I'll always add in a herbal formula for them as well. But yeah, I just, you sort of see the person and see whether it's you know, worth going in straight away or if they're going to actually just get better just with the pins. Yeah. Yeah. I find that with, um, cause I do, uh, patent herbs as well, rarely, but, uh, I do have them there and I find that it's almost like you have this feeling of you want to do everything that you can for your patient. Mm-hmm. So you'll do the acupuncture and then you'll prescribe the herbs as well. Yeah. But then there are cases when you, when you think, well, acupuncture should be for a lot of things, should be effective enough on its own. Yeah. So you, uh, you know, you, you, you withhold the, the herbs for the, the first treatment or so. And it's a good thing we do sometimes because they come back and they have, you know, a, a great response. And then had you had given the herbs, you wouldn't have known which one was which. Exactly. And I think a lot of patients really like that idea as well because they're spending less their first treatment as well. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's uh, less of, if, especially if it's their first time and they're coming along and then you're saying, well, you, you've had acupuncture, but now you need to do herbs and now you need to do this and this and this. Yeah, it yeah. can be quite overwhelming. Mm, definitely. But yeah, I find especially with deficiency cases, I'm more likely to add in herbs earlier. But yeah, those stagnation cases, I find respond really well to the pins quite quickly, you know, without adding the herbs in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is that uh, mainly in your, like with the musculoskeletal conditions you're talking about with stagnation and deficiency or anything in particular? Well, I, even with stress, when they've got a lot of stagnation in their liver mm. and you can just see that they're really a swollen person, there's just so much physical stagnation there. I find if I add in herbs, in my mind, I feel like I'm just adding more stuff. Yes. Even though, of course, there's herbs for stagnation, but I find that the pins usually can make quite a big difference on their own. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like doing that. Yeah. 
And do you have any uh, unique or specific techniques that you do for any particular conditions? Uh, like you were talking before about the uh, turtle acupuncture that yes, you do. Yes, the abdominal acupuncture. Mm-hmm. So I like to use that for the patient that walks in and they've probably slipped a disc or something's gone on. They're lucky they've even gotten out of the car and they shuffle in and you think oh my goodness you're gonna lay on the bed and I can only pray that you're gonna get back up yep so I'll I would usually avoid treating locally when someone walks in in that much pain with that much reduction of movement Mm -hmm. so that's when I call on the turtle acupuncture which is basically you map out the body of a turtle on the abdomen Mm. and you treat where the hips would be and you feel around and you can actually feel little nodules around where the lumbar spine is and the hip area is on the stomach Mm. and those little nodules you actually needle into those just very shallow needling and quite a lot of shallow needling yeah not japanese acupuncture but kind of that idea where there's lots of fine needles and very shallow needling not a lot of stimulation and i find that can really help and because you're not going straight into that sore back there's much much less chance of them stiffening up further and not being able to move so yeah i would always use that first and so what about if, so you mentioned if someone comes in with a, a slip disc or something that's quite severe, um, I had a, a lady come into me once and she had an annular tear. She was, she hadn't done uh, gymnastics or some type of movement for some years and she thought that she'd just get into it by doing cartwheels yeah. after not warming up and all this time. And she came to me with some back pain and then gave her acupuncture i called her uh or day or two after to see how she was and it sounded like she died but was still talking oh and uh and yeah she had gone and gotten a scan and she had an annular tear and like serious like really severe at the time i was only just out so i didn't really know how to navigate uh to to really say that i mean i did say that she should probably go see someone but i had no idea what was you know that it could have been that severe yeah and I think on some level she she was you know uh, maybe unhappy with with me because almost like maybe I, I didn't catch on to it or maybe I'd made it worse. Yeah. Um, but in situations like that, do you uh, refer for scans? Do you uh, treat first and then get a second opinion? How how do you go about that? Yep. So usually what I would do is I would do my first treatment, really gentle treatment, no manipulation whatsoever. Because um, usually in the acute stages of these painful conditions, not a whole lot is going to change that twist first 24 hours. Sometimes it, it starts getting worse for probably those one to three days. So really gentle treatment. I'll use the abdominal treatment and I would tell them to uh, go to see the GP, mm. get scans if they need scans, because if it is a disc problem down the track, once that acute pain has really settled down, I would want to um, make my treatment specific at that disc level as well. So mm-hmm. it actually really helps us if we get those scans and know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause you can say, oh, look, go straight to emergency, but emergency is most likely just going to give them some pain relief. And they'll say, look, we need to get scans and we'll have to wait and then see a specialist. You might need surgery. So I always like to have my patients informed. I always encourage them to get scans, see their GP. So then they have all the information and then they can make their own informed decision and it gives them their power back over their body too. So I would never say only see me or only see this person. Mm. I think it's really important to get both sides so they can make the best decision for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With um, when you start working at that specific uh, spinal root level, do you use electro for that? 
Um, it'll depend as well. Usually, yes. I find that patients respond really well to it. They can kind of feel their muscles melting almost. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. If I have a really hypersensitive patient and you, you know, you just pop a really gentle pin in and they say, wow, that's really, really strong. I'm not going to add electro to that. I'm just, I usually will put a heat lamp over that. Um, But it really depends on how sensitive my patient is too. I'll just work with what I think they can handle. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the last thing I want is for them to feel even more sore and tense up and that's counterintuitive then to my of treatment. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you use uh, Bowen therapy as well. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I learned some Bowen techniques. Um, I went to a few workshops. The first one was for a weekend and then I went to the second one, which you learn all different parts of the body than the first time. And I found that it works really well it's just a nice little addition to treating musculoskeletal techniques because it's really quick Mm. it's basically just you know flicking over tight bodies of muscle and you can do basically there's a lower back routine for bowen and um you'd flick over you know lower back points glute points and hamstring points as well Mm. and it takes a total of like 20 seconds let them rest for about 30 seconds after that without touching the patient and um it just sort of really relaxes that entire area. And then okay. I can come in with the pins and treat really specifically one area as opposed to trying to tackle three different areas on the first treatment. I can do that general bow and release and then get specific with the pins. Yeah. Yeah. So is it a, um, is it like a myofascial release or anything like that? Like when you say it's, it's flicking, is it just yeah, to help kind of dis- desensitize and relax the area? Yes, it is. So it's very gentle. Hmm. So when I learned it, um, Dr. Kevin Ryans, who taught it, so he was actually one of Tom Bowen's original students. He wow, ended up okay. taking over Tom Bowen's clinic. Yep. So um, he was saying, you know, pressure can range from light to very light. So it's you're not it's not painful for people. It's very gentle, and you're basically going over fascia, and you know those sort of tight bands of muscle you feel. Mm. It's, basically flicking over those at specific areas of the body yeah okay yeah so. and, and you can notice uh, like a, a definite change in the in the following half a minute after after that yeah most of the time yes yep. so um particularly in areas sort of around the rhomboids and upper back where you can actually see those tight bands visibly yeah um sometimes after you do a, a bowen routine and a little flick over those muscles after the 30 seconds that's that's gone it's flat now wow so it can react quite quickly yeah 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 that would definitely be a a good addition to treating any type of musculoskeletal condition yeah i definitely recommend acupuncturists to go and if there's any you know bowen seminars on or musculoskeletal techniques Mm. um definitely go along because it really helps and patients love being touched and having that manual release as well and um, it takes about two minutes because, you know, we're not massage therapists. Mm. So we use the tools we can and then we can get specific with our acupuncture. And it just ends up being a really good, well-rounded treatment too. Mm. Do you use a lot of tweener? Um, not particularly. Mm. I could be called tweener techniques. I do a few manual techniques, but I'm not visibly thinking, okay, I'm doing tweener on this patient. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm just going to have a little feel around this back and do a couple of little releasing techniques. Um. 
I usually do at the start of any musculoskeletal treatment. It's like a general structural alignment. So I'll look at leg length difference and I'll do a few gentle releases through the psoas, the quads, and then the lower back and the glutes. And that takes about three minutes. I'll do that on pretty much every patient that comes in with musculoskeletal problems. Yeah, wow. And it just evens up the leg length and usually they walk out straighter. So that's good. I think the going between manual stuff and then adding in the points the acupuncture points works really well yeah yeah do you uh do you use any specific equipment to do your leg length testing or just no. by sight so you basically you'll have them laying on their back and you just put your thumbs over their medial malleolus mm. and you can see quite quickly if there's a centimeter length difference or yep. not or you know whatever the difference is going to be so no equipment needed apart from your fingers and their feet yeah <laughs> yes. very nice simple yeah. but effective yes <laughs> so uh for those of the uh, people listening who don't know uh you and i went to uni together studied at endeavor college in brisbane we did and that was a few years ago now so what brought you to treating acupuncture uh, or to, sorry to studying acupuncture to then go on to be a practitioner yeah so well i basically grew up with acupuncture my whole life, with dad being an acupuncturist, I always loved helping people. I always had an interest in science and medicine. I'm pretty sure I wanted to be a vet most of my childhood though. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and um, then after school, I had a bit of a gap year and I was just thinking, you know, thought it'd be great not to do any study and just have a year off after school and got very bored very quickly with that. And I thought, you know what? I love natural medicine. Why don't I start an acupuncture course and start the degree? So I signed up and I went in and the first lecture, I thought, okay, yeah, this is where I'm meant to be. I love this. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. And then that's how I sort of arrived there. I think, thank goodness for my dad that I sort of had that idea in my head. Otherwise, it might have taken me a lifetime to find acupuncture. Yeah. So yeah, I'm so glad I got to find it so young and I've just loved it ever since. I've really enjoyed practicing. With your dad being Stephen Jance, was he? Um, was it something that he kind of suggested to you as you were growing up? Was it like, uh, you know, the, the master passing down the, the tradition to the, to the apprentice? Was there, was there any of that or was, was it just kind of a natural progression and, and, and of your own accord that you went into it? Well, he actually advised me against it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. How interesting. And, you know, you've got to rebel against your parents, don't you? No. Um, no, well, he actually advised against it because he knew how much work there goes in and back then you know we we obviously don't have medicare now he had just finished his sort of five-year campaign just trying to get us private health funds yeah and he thought oh my goodness like he loves the job but it's a lot of work yeah and so he wasn't always encouraging me to do it but once i said nope dad i really want to do this he was very supportive and he was pretty over the moon actually so yeah once i decided i wanted to do it he was quite happy to give me any tips and tricks that i wanted to know yeah um yeah so i mean being one of three i'm the only one in the health industry Mm. well so far my little brother's just started uni but he's doing international studies so i Mm -hmm. doubt that's going to lead him to health 
And yeah, so it was me or none of us. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so with, um, yeah, I mean, people like your dad and uh, John McDonald, you know, kind of paving the way for acupuncture to be more recognized and renowned throughout the world. Is that something that you feel like is part of your uh, vocation or you, you're happy to just do uh, the, the treatment phase of it or... Yeah, at the moment, I'm just really loving practicing. Hmm. And if I, I think my mission is that if I find really weird cases or really weird things coming in, I think I've got to present on it or let people know about it. And I think that's going to be more where I go with it. But who knows what the future holds? I mean, I'm still young. Who knows? I could end up doing things the way dad's doing it. But at the moment, I'm just really loving Yeah going to work and treating the patients and writing up interesting cases. Yeah, great. And you uh, presented one of your cases at ACMAC, is that right? Yes, that is right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was on obstetric cholestasis, a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was actually a really interesting experience. Um, So obstetric cholestasis is basically when you're pregnant, usually happens in second or third trimester, and it's when you're... Um, bile acids and bile salts they the levels get quite high and it starts to spill over into your bloodstream and it can cause really intense itching um, itching with no rash interestingly enough and um, also these bile salts and usually altered liver function tests as well Mm. Um, this can actually cause quite a lot of harm to the baby so usually it can result in premature birth or um death of your baby which Mm -hmm. is pretty intense and western medicine doesn't really have you know a quite a satisfactory treatment for it at the moment really yeah so there's definitely medications they have that can help um but one in particular you know it can help with the itching but then it really decreases levels of vitamin k in the body which is usually low with this condition anyway okay um and then the one that they mainly use can help with itching can help with the bile acids except it can kill your baby okay so it's a risk that the mother would have to take yes and most mothers don't really want to take that risk unless they absolutely must which is why we found this patient come to our clinic and asked can you help and we said we're not sure but acupuncture can help with itching so look let's try and um so I treated her and for the first month really reduced the itching. After the first treatment, her itching reduced dramatically and she was so happy. So by the time she came to me, she was 31 weeks pregnant. And after the first month, the itching came back with no mercy. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, my goodness, what now? So I changed a couple of the points and um, added in a couple of extra ones mm-hmm. and the itching went away again and her blood levels were pretty stable again. And so it was really interesting. It made me think, okay, so maybe the acupuncture isn't just helping the itch. Maybe it is actually affecting those bile acids. So I thought I've got to share this and possibly help someone else who might be in this conundrum. But yes, this lady was definitely seeing her obstetrician throughout this whole treatment as well. And they were encouraging her to get the acupuncture too. So she was being monitored the whole time, which is the safest thing. And yeah, it was really an interesting case. And I was so glad I got to present on it. And it was successful. She she had her baby and yep, everything was she, all right. That um, second lot of treatment um, worked 
for the next month up until she gave birth she was usually with these things they want to induce the baby a week or two early so she was scheduled for that and um it the birth went smoothly and her baby's happy and healthy and it all ended well yeah did, yeah. did you do induction for the birth? i didn't know no. i didn't do induction points yeah um her obstetrician just wanted her yeah. to have a medically induced yeah, yeah. induction okay yeah. and did the uh did the mother have is, is it um is this particular type of cholestasis a genetic predisposition is it a lifestyle is it you know, do you know well they're not too sure as far as i know um it can just come on randomly this lady that i saw she said she didn't have anyone in her family ever before who had had it she had no idea what it was so um it's quite a rare condition as well it happens mm. in about one in one thousand pregnancies and varies over um sort of what race you are as well um but yeah so it's quite a rare condition so i don't think it's passed down yeah okay yeah um so what, what kind of uh were the particular points that you were doing yes to treat it? so i at the start fairly simple points so bladder 17 bladder 18 because we're really treating the gallbladder and liver in this condition it's stagnation well we know from a medical um, by a medical point of view it's stagnation in the gallbladder mm. um, but in chinese medicine it's the liver and gallbladder we're looking at um so yeah did bladder 17 bladder 18 i actually um pricked to bleed the apex of the ear which really helps with releasing heat and you're always a fan of those i of love points. the bloodletting techniques i'm sorry <laughs> look i don't do them often but when i do i do enjoy them mm-hmm. um so yeah and that i mean the lady was so uncomfortable she's like just try anything i need this itching gone today yeah, yeah. so i thought okay you're my lady yep and um yeah pricked to bleed the apex of the ear and um, usually it'll be quite a dark red blood that comes out straight away, that really stagnant heat-colored blood. Yes. And then by the end, it's bright red and fresh again. So that's when you stop. Um, so yes, prick to bleed those mm-hmm. while she's sitting first and then lay on the left side. Did bladder 17, bladder 18. I did... It's an extra point called Danang Shui. Hmm. It's interesting. It's not in every textbook. And it's about one sun below gallbladder 34. And you're looking for an asha point. And is that is that the gallbladder point, the one they do in China? If, if you have uh, gallstones and they'll try to I think get them it to might move? be. I think it might be. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's in... Oh, I can't remember which textbook I read it in. But yeah, I only found it in one. And... Um, in the textbook it said it's only supposed to be on the left side which is interesting because the channels are Mm. you know they run both sides but Mm -hmm. nope for this point it's just on one side but i felt nausea point on both sides so i needled bilaterally yep and um that really helped with the itching as well and so i think i can't remember the other two points but they were pretty standard points i think they might have been spleen 10 and liver 3 something like that yeah and so that worked really well for a month and then after that month when our itching came back, we I added in triple heater six and spleen four. And that sounds really weird <laughs> for this condition, but she was treated previously for morning sickness and those points worked really well. Spleen four is for an abdomen that's hard like a drum. So it's a really powerful stagnation moving point, which a lot of people forget. Mm-hmm. So use those two points, added those in, and those two points really helped reduce the itching the second time. So there is thought that possibly they could be the two points that help affect bile acids. Mm. So we don't know. We need more research. Yeah. We need more people to try this. <laughs> yeah. Is, is she, um, after she 
gave birth, did she, was it all resolved? All resolved, yes. So obstetric cholestasis by nature will resolve as soon as the baby's born okay. too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm. So onward from that, have you got any, uh, if you can talk about it, any interesting cases that are, that are coming up that, that may end up being a, a talk at ACMAC or a conference? Yeah. Look, there's a few things I treat that I think that's a bit weird and interesting. There's a bit of literature on trigeminal neuralgia, but I've gotten a few of those cases and I really love them because they seem to respond really well. Um, and a few different ones. One was a really chronic trigeminal neuralgia that he'd had for years, had medication, and all of a sudden his medication stopped working. Um, so there was that one, and there was another lady who just started to get it and responded just as well. So possibly write something up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, I've been doing a bit of wart treatment. Okay. Um, using infrared laser, though, mainly yeah. infrared laser. Um, so I've treated about three people with that, um, usually children who have like 24 warts on their hands and it seems to work really well. So possibly be writing up on one of those, but we'll see how we go. I would like to get a little bit more data first and see if I can get some more pictures of changes with the warts specifically. Um, but yeah, possibly in the future. Do you needle them at all? I don't needle the warts. Have you? Um, so... I have in the past, but I don't tend to do it when they've got about 24 on each hand. Yeah, that's fair enough. And if it's a kid, they're probably going to scream before I can get them all in. So the lasers are less painful way of doing it. But yeah, I'll do some body points for them um, in the treatment. But yeah, the lasers particularly for the warts itself. Yeah. Yeah. So with your uh, treatment and your approach to treatment, so you do a little bit of... um, like a biomedical approach to things you, you do a lot of uh, research from that aspect to get both sides of the story yeah i think it's important too especially when you have a patient coming in and they're just not sure what to do i'll of course like to read up on the biomedical side of it just so i can sort of even translate some results they've gotten and they're they're sort of a bit confused after they leave the gps and just going through scans and yeah i think it's really important to um especially if they're on specific drugs as well sometimes they'll come in with a drug and and i'm like what on earth is that and i'll look it up and then i know okay i'm not going to give them that herb that will mix with that drug um but yeah i think it's really good and it gives them faith in us as well that we don't say okay sit down and do all this weird stuff which they obviously think we're gonna do because there's this you know preconception of Of what acupuncture is yes and they're actually pleasantly surprised that you kind of know what you're talking about sometimes so yeah yeah, how do you, what, what's your view on that of the, obviously we're working with uh, a medicine that has a very ancient origin and we're now in the um, the modern day using a, a similar version of it. How do you see that, you know, our application of it being received by the public? You know, when people yeah. come in to see you, how, how do you talk with them about what you're doing? Yeah, so it depends who I'm talking to as well. You can tell some people are more open to hearing about it than others. So usually you can tell quite quickly because they'll ask, how does this work? Or, you know, what's it all about? And I think it's really special to have that sort of ancient technique still and talk about the channels and your, say your heart energy or your spleen energy. And, you know, maybe you're, you know, you feel these palpitations because that's your heart energy um, there's stagnation in your heart energy and you're not resting at night because mm. of this and it's hard to fall asleep and you sort of 
paint this picture for them and all of a sudden they think, oh, these are all my random symptoms that no one knows why they're there. And it's actually a perfect little picture. And I think they actually really enjoy hearing about it. And I always tell them there is nothing wrong with your heart physically or your spleen physically. It's the constitution. It's the energy of these organs just so they don't go out thinking, okay, I've got spleen failure, Um, you know, I'm... You have to see this doctor straight away. So, yeah, I mean, some people are more open to it than others. Um, some people just want to know, okay, um, what's it doing? They they really want you to tell them how does acupuncture work? And, you know, the mechanism's not completely understood yet. Mm. So, you know, you explain to them as best you can what you know, but there's, you know, sometimes magic is science that isn't understood yet. Yeah, very, very um, nice way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've found that with certain certain circumstances where someone with a background in either traditional Chinese medicine or they're not an acupuncturist and they've got some knowledge about it and then they tell someone that they've got blood deficiency or they've got kidney deficiency and then mm. the person goes to their doctor yeah. to get their blood checked or to get their, um, you know, get, get their blood um, tested mm-hmm. or you know is worried that they've got some type of uh, renal failure yeah and i think that that's uh that can be very i guess like bordering on the on, on the edge of being dangerous because it can it, it creates a lot of hype about things that aren't actually really happening yes yeah and i think that's where it's really important then to say we're just talking about it on an energetic constitutional level they're is probably nothing physically wrong with your body right now, mm. your organs. If you explain it, most of the time they're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. And then they're more relaxed as well because they don't think they're going to die. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's, that's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how do you see the practice of acupuncture as we head into the future? Like, have, you, have you thought about where it could ultimately lead up or changes that are going to happen i mean you must obviously have some insight with maybe you know things that your dad uh, yes. is privy to yes so so my dad Stephen jans and also matt o'hara had a meeting with the chief medical officer about possibly getting acupuncture put on the chronic pain management schedule i'm pretty sure that's what it's called so it's basically when it's on the medicare program where you go to a doctor and they say okay you can have five treatments of physio or blah or acupuncture hopefully Mm. yeah or there's also 10 for mental health so basically trying to get us on that yeah because with the acupuncture um evidence project basically the evidence is saying that acupuncture is really helpful for painful conditions Mm. Um, we know that it's helpful for a lot of other things, but we obviously need more research. Yes. But what the research is quite strongly confirming is that, yes, it can help for quite painful conditions. So we could possibly have a place in this chronic pain management schedule. At the moment, the health minister is going through all the research, which is really positive. Mm. So the meeting was positive in the end saying okay i will look into it so he is looking into it which is fantastic and hopefully it's going to be a really good outcome for us so because we know there's positive research so it would give me reason to believe that hopefully we can be popped on there the only thing is there's a change of um there could be a change of government soon with the election coming up Mm -hmm. this weekend so we're just not sure if there is a change in government, will we need to start over or will they just hand things over and discuss to the next 
um, chief medical officer. So we could eventually, we could be up in the air, um, but that is actually a really positive step. This is the furthest we've ever gotten with this, which is yeah, fantastic. And so for the future of acupuncture, I have hope. Yeah. I think once, you know, the government recognizes us, then maybe GPs will think, why on earth have they done that? Maybe there's something to it. Maybe we should refer our patients. And I think it's just going to get bigger from there. Yeah. And in the end, the patient wins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's very exciting. That's uh, I recall something like that happening in the past already where we had gone, uh, when I say we, I mean all acupuncturists, the mm-hmm. community had gotten to a certain point with the government or a health minister or something like that and then something changed and then it all had to start over again. Yep. Yes. So it can get really complicated. Yeah. Because, so, you know, they campaign for a year and then they work for a year and then there's another campaign and it ends up taking, you know, six to eight years when it should only have taken two. Yeah. So it's, yeah, we'll have to see how Australia goes with this one. Yeah, so much, so much just stuff involved to get a couple of steps ahead and then many steps backwards. Yep. So, yeah, time will tell. Yeah. But, I mean, definitely not complaining because look at where we are now compared to uh, where acupuncture has come from in the past. Yep. Leaps and bounds. Yep, exactly. And we're only getting more and more research put out. So that's really going to help as well. And, you know, as we were chatting about before, you know, when we get this compiled research, even the Acupuncture Evidence Project, go and chat to the GPs, let them know because so many of them just have no idea. Mm. And most GPs, they just really want to help their patients as well. They're good people too. And sometimes they're just unaware, so unaware that they could be sending their patient to some really good help. Yeah. So chat to them and, you know, you might get one out of 100 yeah. that sends someone, but that's one happy person. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's um. I was I recently did a, a talk and I, I um to do some of the research for it. I thought I'd just go to the other side of the spectrum and see what the uh, quote unquote haters of acupuncture are saying. <laughs> and I got into like a friends of science um, rabbit hole. Oh, and it's it's really very entertaining to start off with, but then you get deep enough in there and you start going, huh, have I made the right decision? <laughs> because you get like you start going are these, how do these like they're so blatantly um certain mm. that acupuncture is just this fraudulent uh snake oil mm-hmm. that the world has been hoodwinked by this ancient medicine yeah. and you go Hang on, did I, this is this real are they talking about you know the same thing that i'm doing here yeah and they have uh they have a very convincing on the surface anyway, a very con- mm. convincing argument to the general public who see this stuff mm-hmm. that they write. Yeah. And their opinion is then directed uh, accordingly. Mm-hmm. And then, so I think that it's, there are so many different aspects to it. And I mean, they think they're doing the right thing as well. So that's that's mm. their thing that they're doing. Um, but it's it's an interesting dynamic of all of these different aspects of the one scenario where we've got people saying that uh acupuncture's um you know doesn't do anything and then we've got people like uh us and you know doing this podcast and then your your, your dad and john mcdonald and and the people that you've mentioned before that are uh campaigning for this to go ahead for the for not just for our betterment for for people to get health care to get the best care that they can have yeah 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 
And, you know, it's, I definitely know what you mean when you're saying, you know, people give you all this, oh, it's definitely, it's just placebo or it's blah, blah, blah. And you think, it can't be, but you know what? The patient that comes in who tells you that, who is a skeptic and then gets better. Yeah. It's not placebo because they, it's almost nocebo in in effect in these treatments and it still helps. So, you know, you can't. It's just you can't explain that, can you? <laughs> yeah, I just I'm sitting there going, hang on, is is every one of my patients experiencing a placebo? Yeah. And every one of the practitioners that I know is everyone just like in this uh, illusion of acupuncture yeah. can't possibly be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and mind you, placebo is a part of every medical treatment yeah, as well. Absolutely. And let's utilize it. Let's make patients feel positive and if it can help them make you know get better results then that's great but we're also doing something as well yeah so yeah i think that's really important yeah definitely Mm. uh so how does one go about um first putting a talk together or or a case like you have and then uh, approaching acmac and then getting to the point where you're presenting that in front of everyone at the conference yeah so i actually found it kind of easy to write the thing because uni really set me up for that. The research with John McDonald, the research subject, I just followed that formula and it was great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Infallible. And um, yeah, so basically when you get sent out the um, email saying, you know, ACMAC, you know, if you want to present something, you know, you've emailed them back and say, look, I've got this case. Um, I'd be eager to present it and then, you know, they'll either say, okay, we can fit you in or we'd like to hear about that. And yep, came back saying, yep, you're good to go. You can present on the very last day at the end. And I thought, oh, great. I'll listen to everyone's magnificent speeches (laughs) and it's my first presentation. (laughs) Cool. Let's do this. (laughs) Was it a little bit daunting? 100% yes. And I, you know, so much of me thought, don't do it. Just be comfortable and enjoy, you know, watching the presentations. Um, but I thought, you know what, this is a really serious issue and serious yeah. disease. And if we can, someone hears my talk and it's just one person that helps another lady and helps her baby, I got to share this information. So that's what kept me through. <laughs> and um, yeah, I ended up winning an award for best first presentations so I was really stoked thank god I felt good about doing it afterwards (laughs) yeah of course well it's it's always going to be like that the first time you uh go up to present something you have that uh you know imposter syndrome of am I am I really good enough to do this is it yes which of course obviously you are oh thank you Chris (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but no that's that's really good and um one day when I get around to going to ACMAC which I'll be doing soon no doubt Mm -hmm. um hopefully we see more of more of you doing that in the future Yes, we'll see. I'll just have to have something really interesting to talk about again, won't I? Yeah, I'm sure you can come up with something. <laughs> yeah. So as far as uh, treating goes at the moment, you're, you'll are you be at Kenmore Centre Health for Health for at least the near future? Yes. So I've got no plans of stopping. So I'm there six days a week and loving it. So yeah, you can find me at Kenmore Centre for Health. Excellent, excellent. Um, so just going back into... Uh, the journey from uh, we we found from when you went from um, young adult into studying acupuncture, and then when you were doing the degree, did you have an idea of where you wanted to head with your treatments with your career? Originally, when I was studying, I thought, "Yep, gun horror. I just want to focus on fertility. I think it's great. I loved it. It was really interesting to me." Um, and then I started practicing. 
and started seeing lots of different things and I loved all of that. So I thought, you know what, while I'm young, let's get as much experience as possible with everything. And then if I decide to focus on one particular thing that I can, um, but at the moment I just love treating everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and with your, um, so, so with your, your musculoskeletal conditions, which you said, you know, 80% of, um, it's kind of the bread and butter of things. Yeah. Uh, do you get a lot of cross referrals from other modalities, other practitioners? Are you sending them to other people or? Yep. So we get, well, I've got a few refer- referrals from GPs before and, um, it's not so much being referred most of the time. It's more they'll come, they say, you know, I've seen a physio or I've seen a chiro and, you know, they say they're really good, they help, but I'm just at this stuck at this certain point and we just can't move past it. So that's usually when they'll seek us out and see if we can shift things a little further yeah. or maybe they've tried a few things that haven't worked before and that's how they'll find us. But yeah, probably more people coming on their own than being referred at the moment. Um, if... I get certain patients with musculoskeletal conditions that they've had injury or that sort of thing. I would certainly sometimes refer them to physios to get a good exercise program because they've got this plethora of knowledge on, you know, rehab exercises. Yep. And I think, you know what, get the, you know, the best help you can. I'll come and do some releasing stuff and go and see your physio and get a really good exercise program as well. So I think it depends on the patient if you would refer to someone else. Yeah you know, in conjunction or if it's just quite simple, I'll sometimes give them, you know, some exercise programs myself. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, if it's a really complex condition they've got, I would definitely refer to get some exercises from a physio. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then when they come to you and you're, um, you know, say it's someone who's never had acupuncture before and Mm. you are doing up a treatment plan for them, how do you approach presenting that to them? And, um, you know, if it's, Two, or two treatments a week for, for this long or, you know, a month or like what's, what will be your usual prescription for, you know, an injury or a musculoskeletal condition? Yeah, well, I usually say it can take about between six to 10 treatments depending on how you respond. Also, depending on what the condition is. So if it's something they've had forever, it might be a bit more. Um, I say usually we would treat twice a week or, you know, maybe three to four days apart the first couple of weeks. I would like to see some sort of change definitely in the first two, one to two treatments. Um, if there's, I mean, it's, we're not going to cure it in one to two treatments, but I want to see some change. If I don't see some sort of change in a musculoskeletal treatment after one to two treatments, three tops, um, I'm changing my approach. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And Pete, you find that people uh, take that fairly well. They're, they're open to, to that many, like, I'm just trying to get an idea for, you know, people who are students or other practitioners mm. listening of, um, you know, like when we're a uh, practitioner and we're told that you need to tell your patient that we're going to need this many, many treatments. Yeah. It's and, pretty daunting for the patient. Yeah. And yeah. also for us as practitioners as well, trying to convey that, uh, with confidence as well and mm-hmm. not having the perhaps you know if you're if you're just out and you don't have the experience of not even knowing how many treatments yeah. it's going to take yeah um yeah do you find it that it's received well are some people a little bit hesitant i think it depends um i think at first most people like in their minds they're churning okay that's a lot of treatments that'll be this much money you know that's going to take this much time and i think once they start to notice some change they're um, you know, they're much more motivated to continue on. Um, 
but yes, yeah, some people walk in straight away. They say, I know this is going to take, um, you know, what, 10, 12 treatments or something. You know, I got acupuncture once and it helped a little bit, but I only had one treatment. So it's my fault kind of thing. So yeah. they, are, there are some people who understand that you need more treatments, mm. but yeah, f- that you're always going to get the harder people that just don't want, they want to be cured today. And yep. then, you know, that's when you say, okay, well, I can give you some emergency acupuncture to get you through the day, but this is not going to fix your condition long-term. Emergency so, acupuncture? Yeah, emergency acupuncture. Yep. That's what I say to my patients who want the one-day fix. Yes. I can do, you know, as much as I can today. It's going to probably make you feel a little bit better for the day or two, mm-hmm. um, but it's not going to fix your condition. If you want long-term effects, then come back. Yeah. And, you know, I went to a seminar. Oh, this would have been last year. It was actually a business seminar. And they were saying, you know, you can give your patients a few different options. You can say, okay, you can come for this short amount of treatments. Um, and, you know, that's sort of the lowest package. And um, you'll probably get a bit of relief, but it's probably not going to be long term. Then there's a the middle one. You know, we can add in some herbs in that longer amount of treatment or there's this longer sort of treatment package where that's got everything and you should get a you know a remedial massage included and see a naturopath as well if you want and you know come for quite a few treatments and that's going to give you the best outcome long term yeah and you give them all the information and then you say now it's up to you what would you like to do just to give them that power and also you know give them the respect to choose for themselves yeah 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 absolutely i think that's um in, in my experience it's it's been kind of similar to what uh, you would heard at that that conference of giving them all the different scenarios and as mm. to why it, th- this is going to give you this result and then this will give you this result and usually people are pretty open to it. It's um, I find it's it's pretty rare that that people are adverse to having a course of treatments mm. if you can explain to them the the purpose of why you're doing it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was definitely a a hurdle for me when I was. Uh, in my first uh, first year out of uh, university because going into a real clinic for me was like stepping back into the first day of student clinic again. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. I'll always remember my first case was just, you know, they always say, oh, your first case will be the hardest case ever. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I got someone who was having, they had kidney stones that were undiagnosed and they emergency kicked them out because they were like well we can't find what's wrong with you but she's this elderly lady and she's just crying in pain I'm like oh my god this is my first patient (laughs) (laughs) and it ended up I mean I gave her 24 hours pain-free I was stoked but she wasn't because I didn't fix her pain forever Mm. in one treatment but you know it's all about patient expectation as well so I I learned that really quick yeah um but yeah, absolutely terrifying. And not even for the first day. I think the first year you're still a little bit terrified, but yeah. you just get used to it and then you get excited to go and then you just like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. I've gotten over that, the jitter. Yeah. 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 And it's that um, when, when the new things come along that other, you know, that initially would have um, made us quite uncomfortable or scared us end up being the very thing that get that get you excited about going yes. to going into your clinic. Yeah, because you learn so much from feeling so uncomfortable at the start. You never want to feel that again. So yeah. you research the heck out of it, and then you're feeling great about it when you see it come walk through your door again the yeah. next time. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. It's about uh, patient expectation. If you can explain to them that you don't have all the answers for a particular thing because of these reasons here, they're mm-hmm. They're 
likely to respect that as opposed to you walking in and you clearly have no idea what you're doing. Yes. And then trying to make something up. Yes. Um, to, to explain why a certain thing is happening and then it's like people can see right through you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just know myself if I'm seeing, a, you know, a healthcare practitioner or an acupuncturist, if they're just honest, um, you can sense that straight away. And if they give you this guru speech at the start, you just think, oh, geez, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you, sometimes it's you don't need to self-promote when you're talking to your patients because they do not like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah it's, um, yeah, if uh, b- being transparent, I suppose, is, is the key with mm. your patients because then, you know, they're looking for something, they're investing a lot of, of trust mm. in us. I mean, just the fact that we're putting needles into people, I, I think that maybe, uh, I don't forget that that's what I'm doing, but I think perhaps it can, you know, you have those moments where you have a, a realization of just how serious it is yeah. uh, that this practice is, the, what, you know, of what we're doing and the amount of trust that patients invest in us, whether mm-hmm. they're aware of it or not, yeah. allowing us to put a needle into their skin mm. where if you don't know what you're doing, you can potentially cause some serious damage. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. Yeah. That's why you need to do a four-year bachelor degree. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's probably pretty important. Yes. Uh, what's your view on on practitioners who don't adhere to that? You know, the the expectation that the four-year degree and do a couple of weekend courses or however it is. Yeah. Um. It's a great topic, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I thought I'd ask. <laughs> you have to ask. Um, look, I just think it's not in the patient's best interest to be having that being done. They they go thinking they're getting the best care as well, yeah. um, which is a shame. And it's it's obviously more dangerous because they've probably not learnt all their internal anatomy and especially a really tight muscle, the trapezius, mm. which most people have tight and they've become seeing, you know, a lot of people for that sort of treatment. Needling that is probably one of the most dangerous points. And if you don't have a good idea of where the lung is and where these internal organs are that you've spent ages doing your anatomy physiology subjects on, which take a lot more than one weekend, um, I really think that is not in the best interest of your patient. Yeah. And, you know, it's so easy just to refer to someone who's got the knowledge that can do it properly. Yeah. And, you know, um, just play to your own strengths and don't find yourself in deep water. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, have you heard any uh, particular horror stories at all? Um, I have heard of pneumothorax puncture, mm. but not from a patient personally. Mm. Um, most of my patients know the difference between the, you know, the two-day course dry needling and yes. the bachelor degree of acupuncture but it's stuff that you read on the internet really or um the i think my dad actually did a musculoskeletal presentation mm. on trigger point acupuncture yes yep. a few weeks ago and um talking about this point in particular gallbladder 21 and the video that he plays is a doctor actually teaching other doctors how to needle through the thoracic area oh good he is saying okay so you make sure you have your fingers either side of in the intercostal spaces Mm. so you know you're definitely not going 
through those intercostal spaces into lung. So as long as you know where the end of the needle is, you're totally safe. Yeah. And then needling, getting a 50 mil needle and going straight in and you keep watching that 50 mil needle go in and he's just given this patient a pneumothorax while he's teaching how to not do pneumothorax. So yeah, look, it's it's a dangerous dangerous um, point definitely and um yeah that's the sort of horror stories i'm thinking of in my head but not personally from a patient i have have i heard that yeah yeah i think i've seen that video i think john John showed it to me and it's yeah it's um it's it's a little scary it's really sad this guy was you know training to go to the olympics and oh it was that guy yeah he couldn't anymore yeah that's it done yeah that's a shame yeah um i think dan hall told me a a story of someone he knew who had gone to a trigger point workshop, dry needling workshop, and they were doing like external oblique or something like that around the mm, around the side the here, yeah. and they needled in, and then later on the guy started feeling a bit sick, and he's ended up having to go to emergency, and he had septicemia because they <gasps> pierced his colon. Oh my goodness! By accident. Oh, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And you know. These things can happen easily if you don't have the education. Mm. It's, it's you know, it all it takes is just go that little bit too far. Yeah. Yeah. So education is really important mm, with I these things. So. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of areas around the body that maybe if we had, like you were saying, more exposure to uh, anatomy before we were talking about uh, either through dissection, which everyone probably knows by now is my obsession. Yeah. Um, but if, if we were to have more exposure to dissection and, and, and even though that's not real life scenario because the body's obviously yeah. uh, dehydrated, um, we would get a better understanding that you could probably go a lot deeper in certain areas than we think we can yeah. or than we are taught like yeah. around the neck or in you know certain areas of the body where it's probably relatively safe being an acupuncturist with four years of experience yeah to start navigating those areas to get this maybe to get to some trigger points or things that you otherwise you know that you just can't reach yeah that you wouldn't confidently want to even explore as well yeah, yeah. so yeah no that would be really interesting yeah yeah i think they need to bring back those the advanced techniques that i think we we either did them because we had a good lecturer um, mm-hmm. or, or uh, an open lecturer who showed us. Or... Was that the through needling that yeah. you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Because I think they stopped doing it when we... when we. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay, because I don't remember doing... Yeah, because I heard all about it. Yeah, like going from <laughs> small intestine uh, three across the hand, like yes. um, under the skin but above the tendons. Yes, and then I heard the one from, I think it was liver eight to the other side yeah. of the knee. I heard about that one too. Yeah. I did that on David Hartman. Oh, you did? Yeah. How did he go? It was good. We did it in class like that in therapeutics. Oh, was I there? Maybe I was there. Maybe that's how I got that idea. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think you were there. <laughs> yeah, I must have been there. I definitely yeah. had that subject. Yeah, so no, it's very interesting stuff. Do you do any uh, advanced needling techniques like that? No, because I just think that would freak the patient out way yeah. too much. Not really and need for it, is there? <laughs> yeah, if I want to get to, you know, say liver eight and then do a point on the outside, I'll just do two points. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's a good approach. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, so I think we're uh, getting towards the end now. Yeah. Um, I think we've covered uh, a lot of really interesting topics for today. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming in. It's been great to see you after... All of these years. Yes, thank you for having me. It was of really course. fun. It You're was very great. welcome. And so the um, 
once again, Kenmore Centre for Health is where you are. Yes. And um, so I'll put that, the website link up on the, the podcast link on the FIMIA website for people to, to go and check you out to see if you're doing any more talks in the future and hopefully we get to see a lot more of you. Beautiful. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks, <laughs> Olivia.